and gentlemen, boys and girls, and everybody in between. He's your favorite Mexican-American Gemini from South Texas. It's Chibi. And she's the lipstick-loving Salvadorican from Brooklyn, New York. It's Rocky. And this is Words and Shit. The show where you get to know the person behind the poetry. Brought to you by Right Art Out. Hi! <laughs> what up, beautiful people joining us out in the interwebs, Landon? What up, Rocky? Hello, hello. Every time that intro really gets me going. Like, <laughs> again, y'all can't see me backstage, but I'm just jamming. I'm like, yes, that's us. So excited <laughs> for another week. Excited to be here with you. I'm like my own mom. I'm like, that's my baby. Wait, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Exactly. So excited to share the space with you and to share the space with our audience, you know, this, these virtual spaces that we've had to create for ourselves yes. in this new world we're living in. No, exactly. Um, especially, because, you know, obviously because of COVID and everything, we really had to reinvent how we interact socially, uh, professionally, even artistically, right? Or even within like a revolution, um, <laughs> the revolution will be digitized. Yes. I mean, I feel like what was, I think I saw a meme like every Wednesday in January, we expected something to happen. And last, the last Wednesday of January is when Reddit was all up like in Wall Street, taking billion dollar people's like money, right? Mm. I know. Um, I, yeah. I love it. It's like uh, social media has allowed um so many voices to kind of like really dominate spaces i feel like there was something going on with with k-pop stands last year that they like took down some races i i just remember like it was a thing where like you can just rally people through social media and it's yeah. such a powerful tool that you know when we were in college <laughs> years ago and <laughs> facebook first came out uh nobody could have predicted like what social media does these days. No, not at all. And then like, I keep trying to like go up with the trends. So I'm actually on TikTok, right? <laughs> I, know. I know it's because I'm using Instagram so much for work. So I was like, I have to do like another social media to just to escape. And let me tell you, I love TikTok, but I definitely feel old, like period. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't know if I said that right, but like. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I have a TikTok. I think uh -huh. I threw one video on there and then I got scared. Uh, but, uh, every once in a while I'll open it because there's some funny videos on there. But now I just follow people on Instagram that share videos from TikTok. So like, I don't even need to anymore. Exactly. And I'm totally with you. I am I am of the MySpace generation <laughs> that yeah. a lot of these newer platforms, like we were just talking about Clubhouse a moment ago. Um, I'm a little scared, uh, but I'm also really... <laughs> excited for this new generation that has kind of grown up in the social yes. uh, media era and mm -hmm. is able to to really harness the power of it. And uh, our guest today is definitely part of the new generation. Uh, I think mm -hmm. I, I was a nice Southern gentleman and did not ask our lady friend how old she is, but I'm going to assume by her perfect skin that she is of the new generation uh, and a new generation of writers that's coming up and really claiming space uh, yes. in, in the poetry community. And changing that, right? What What is like that artistic poetry look in these virtual spaces? And I love that they're so 
revolutionary in that as well. So, yeah, I can't wait ahead. to dive into this conversation. So Eris Kian. Eris Kian is a student of community organizing and abolition. She ranked 10th in the 2020 Women of the World Poetry Slam and fourth in the 2019 Cupsy competition with the University of Houston Coog Slam team. She is an Emerging Writers Fellow with Writers in the School and an Imprint C. Glenn Camber Fellow pursuing her MFA at the University of Houston. Her poems are published with Right About Now, Underground Journal, Houston Review of Books, and other places. Currently, she explores work surrounding her experience with academia, critical theory, and the Black imagination. Y'all, show some love mm -hmm. in the comments section. Show some love in the comments section for Aristia. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello. It is so good to have you. Yes. I know. Like, it is. Your face is glowing. Your background is glowing. Like... <laughs> You said, Chippy said, like, oh, perfect skin. I was like, oh, this ring light really coming through for the one time. <laughs> That's right. Hashtag no filter. That's her. Uh -huh. Hashtag <laughs> 720, not 1080 resolution. You know, whatever you gotta, we got to blur it out just a little bit. You know? <laughs> <laughs> that RuPaul drag race, you know, camera going yeah. on. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. See, we can still relate with the younger people, Rocky. <laughs> I, I think. Is that how I do it? Like, <laughs> I'm like this? Mm -hmm. I, I'm TikTok, but it's just a whole different. <laughs> I was gonna mention that, like, our eyebrows are on fleek, but I think that's so like six years ago. I that's not that's, that's a little. It's like 2015, 2014 era for sure. But no, it's fine. We're still here. We're present. We're we're here. We are so present, and we are so excited to have you on here. Um, we just uh, I've been looking forward to this for a while. I know. Yeah. So let's go in. Let's get get our check in, girl. Okay, let's do this. Okay, so Eris, every time we bring in a poet, um, the way that I always love to like welcome conversation is that you're going to be sharing intimate words with us, you know, and experience. So we're all here as friends. So as a friend, I want to know how's your heart today? How's your heart today? This week? This month? This new year? Mm. We can start from there. I know. That's a really really amazing question to start. Um, my heart is very light today. It's been very heavy for like, just, I feel like just nonstop for the past like year. It's just felt the weight of everything. Um, and I think now I'm beginning to figure out what it looks like for me to actually establish boundaries and reclaim happiness and joy in my life. So like yeah. today, I said no for the first time in a long time. And mm. I was like, wow, I feel free. And so <laughs> I would say very light, that's how my heart's doing. How's y'all? That was a great, great way to answer. Like, oh, thank you. But yeah, I think that even just power of no, right? Coming from us, just reclaiming that no. Um, is so important. So I'm glad you feel light and feel powerful. Mm. Setting boundaries. I'm glad you said yes to us. Oh, so. for sure. I had to. I had to. I was like, you know what? This actually like this fuels me. I feel fueled by this. Um, mm. But like other things, I have to just prioritize and other stuff. So. Well, you two fuel people. You know, Ryan's saying, "Let's go boundaries." <laughs> uh, 
Omer made a comment that killed me as you guys were trying to be serious. I once read a poem Aris wrote, my acne cleared up the next day. <laughs> Omer, please. Changing lives, changing lives. All right. So it seems like some of our audience already knows you, knows you well. Uh, but for those that don't, we'd like to start off our segments after our check-in with a segment called Speed Dating. So we're going to ask you a series of questions. Great. Feel free to answer them as concisely or in depth as you feel necessary okay. uh, mm -hmm. to let your voice be heard. Mm -hmm. uh, so let's just dive right into it. First up, how would your favorite person describe your poetry? My poetry. Okay. Um, exciting. Um, important. Um, challenging, long-winded. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. Okay, okay. All right. Well, I'm excited to hear your excited poetry. <laughs> um, all right, so what song has been on replay in your mind for the past, like, week or so? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, because like my first answer to this question is usually Ballin' by DJ Mustard and Roddy Rich, And like, that is my song. <laughs> it just feels so good, right? Um, but recently yeah. there's this song that I found on TikTok actually, that's called um, Lemonade by Internet Money. <laughs> I think you haven't heard it, but if you look it up, it's a very famous song on TikTok and it's like, it's like na 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 na, and it's like yes, <laughs> it's just really good. I I love it. Lemonade by Internet Money. I really hope y'all get y'all's coins. It's it's a great song. I I'm making oh notes right now. No, I was like, look that up today. Lemonade. You got it. Because oh, I, I do. do yeah, I love Paul. Have you heard the with when he has the orchestra in the background? No, I haven't, and I must. Oh, yes. Yes, it's mind blowing. <laughs> I'm so excited now. That's the first thing I'm gonna do. <laughs> You're like, excuse me, actually, I'll be right back. <laughs> I'll be right back. <laughs> oh yeah, I need to make notes because I do workshops with middle schoolers and they keep bringing up things and I'm like, uh, Adele. <laughs> that song, I'm telling you. I mean, I don't know if it's the most age appropriate song. It has like, kind of like talking about illicit drugs in the back, but it's a beautiful song. Instrumental is even great. So. All right. <laughs> All right. I got it. All right. Next question. What is your favorite dish? Dish. Okay. That's a very hard question because I prefer like on any, any given day to have a really good roll with butter. And that is not a dish, mm. but like a sauce. But it could be. But it could, like, I could sit and eat bread and butter all day. Like it's so good. Like a nice mm. roll, a Hawaiian roll, even better. Um, this Texas mm. roadhouse. Mm. You know what I mean? Just like the yeah. right butter. Like so, I would if, if bread and butter counts as a dish, that'll that'll be it. That'll be my answer. It does. Beautiful. Yeah. I'll take yes. it. <laughs> We're in the South, okay? Bread mm -hmm. is a whole meal. It is, and it is. And that's just something we have to accept. Yeah, like bagels are bread, and bagel with butter, is that's acceptable. That part. And that's true. I would have like a bagel with butter. I think it's like honey butter every morning whenever I was like at school. Mm. I was solid. Mm. I was set. Actually, while Rocky asks her question, I'll be right back. <laughs> 
<laughs> all right, all right. So our last question is, what is your favorite literary device? Ooh, okay. I would say my favorite, and it will change based off of my mood, but I think right now it is internal rhyme. Like, in, like it's like, it's so beautiful when like the, the, the end of a word rhymes with the beginning of another word and then just beautiful. Like I love a good internal rhyme. It just, it's, it's like following the music, but you don't have to wait till the end to get there. It's just like wherever the music, wherever the rhyme is, that's where the music is. I'm just like, okay, I'll take it. I will literally do that. Mm, I love that. It's where the music is. Mm. Yes. Follow it. It's there. You can put it anywhere. All right. I love this. Okay. So that was just a quick little sneak peek at who Eris Kian is. Ayokunle says, hell yes, on internal rhyme. I was on here recently and we were like, favorite literary device. And he's like, apostrophe. And I'm like, that's a punctuation. I need to do research. <laughs> I, I need to. <laughs> I need. To, I literally want to learn from Io at this point. Like, uh, <laughs> teach me your ways. <laughs> All right. Well, right now we want you to teach us your yes. ways. Um, so before we hand the show over to you, audience who is watching out in Facebook, Landia, and YouTubeville, uh, make sure you use the comment section. Clearly, we're watching, so you can use it to show some love. You can use it to interact. Uh, you can also use it to drop your questions that you would like Eris to answer, and we will try to get to them. Uh, so use the comment section, y'all. That being said, we gonna bounce out, hand the show over to you, Eris. Bless us with some poetry. Yes. Will do. Absolutely. Okay. Hi, y'all. Um, I do want to say um, my name is pronounced Eris Keon, and that's on me because I know it's a weird like spelling. So, um, and that happens all of the time. Um, I want to begin with one of my favorite poems that I got to write out of a prompt where somebody uh, somebody asked me um, uh, if I could haunt any space, what would it be? And being, just being a black academic, uh, like my book here, being a black academic in an all white institution, I said um, I'd haunt the hell out of academic spaces. I'd smear my blood over wooden bookcases, watch it drip on the covers, cover the names and red wash these authors out of the canon. I am my own canon, which is to say I am a weapon that houses a magnificent destruction, which is to say I am my own poem. And what is a poem if not the weapon and the gun smoke? If not the trigger and the boom in the twilight after it's long gone? If not a song that clings to your chest at night? If not the words you can't forget? My spirit belts her own lyrics in the middle of a syllabus, like a jazz chord. Oof. Middle of a syllabus, mixed jazz chords of a lesson plan. I want these desks to hum with every argument I started with the white professor on Dickinson or Williams or Whoever frost, frost these floors in an ice cold hush when I enter, I am the one you won't forget. I am the one you warned about statistics. How hard it is to enter a room that never had a door for me. How I shouldn't be here. How in other worlds, my name is chiseled into more gravestones than degrees. How black is both the weapon and the gun smoke. But if I walk through walls that tried to shut me out, then I must be the pettiest ghost. Ride the tails of my petticoat as I cast a lovesick haunting on every ivory tower. Where depression tried to shut me out. Where application fees tried to shut me out. Where the GRE works hard, my G-O-D works harder. 21 credits and two jobs were nothing but a soul search. I am a poltergeist of high price and mighty persistence. And what is a ghost? 
It's not a holy hope. It's not a wish for a finishing. It's not a living reminder of what they thought they could kill. I'm gonna read two more poems. Um, and these are two poems that are in my chapbook, Blackademic. Um, I ran out, but I will, uh, if you follow me on social media, I will have more eventually. Um, this poem is called Circus Act. Black girl be the best magic trick with how she vanishes under a spotlight like poof. See the trap door that be the sidewalk by the train station, be the bus stop, be the back seat of a ride share. What I mean is one time I made it home on a phone with no battery and the crowd was unimpressed. Their groans echoing about the bleachers. Give us fanfare, they chanted, give us fire. For the tightrope walk, walk with B, which be my nightly commute, I do that in my sleep. A man spits through the peanuts in his teeth and I disappear behind my closed mouth smile, speed up into the lamplight swallow, the flaming hoops behind my tongue stunt one. Performed in a continuous night, no matter the hour, when she is blindfolded, foldable enough to fit in a trunk or into the hands of a man she learned, never loved her back, black girl, be the best assistant. With how she falls victim to a show she never asked to be in, see how she contorts in order to fit through the tightest of holes, see how she be so seen, yet so unnoticed as she slips through the cracks and the crowd looks around, gasps, she's gone, she's gone, a roaring applause, awaiting the next illusion, don't worry, she wasn't really there. And everyone settles in their seats a bit more comfortable. Don't see who is going missing one by one in the audience dwindling until there is only you left with the mess of spit and shells around your feet and no one else to clean it. And this final poem for this section um, is called Away with the Sun. I'm afraid to have a son, so instead I'll birth a moon. I'd have to watch him grow so far from me, but so, so bright, his light rippling the mirrored surface of sea. I'd see the craters in his face before they fade in the morning. I'm afraid to have a sun, and so instead I'll birth a moon. Because what is night if not the opposite of sun? How one always returns, how mine may not. And isn't it telling that the root of the word night is absence, like what's left in my hands when he's here one day and gone the next, please. Let him stay in the blue of otherworldliness, say the womb, say the sky or even the sea. How many of my ancestors were divers, how they knew that the bottom of the ocean was better to touch with both hands than this ground with bare feet. If I were ever to have a son, I pray he'd be a moon so I could bury him before the world does. Beneath a blanket of stardust were blue, and only blue can touch him, his light, taking millions upon millions of miles to reach the ground where he dies long after I do. And the crowd goes wild. Wow. Wow. Mm. wow. Is absolutely right. Yes. Oh. Okay, now I need to breathe. Yeah. Can we start uh with your book? Okay. Yes. Okay. <laughs> My heart. 
let's start with your book because you read three poems out of it and uh, they are phenomenal. Your book is so tight. Thank you. you, know? Thank you. And I was talking to Rocky about it earlier and like the art of the chapbook, right? Yeah. These like beautiful, easy serving size books that you can just like take in in a single mm -hmm. sitting. Um, and there, there are hints of Afro-pessimism in there, but to me, I got a lot of jubilance out of yeah. it and a lot of um, permission uh, to take up space, right? And to, and to just be. Yeah. Um, can you talk about the, this collection, putting it together, and then also why you chose uh, ultimately to self-publish the collection? Yeah, definitely, all those things. Um, it's so interesting because I start, um, I kind of started the collection, first of all, it took me forever to decide to actually put a chapbook out just like in the world, um, which is just wild. And I had so many amazing people in my life who um, I saw put out books, who self-published their own books. And um, it just kind of encouraged me. And the way I would, went about creating this collection, um, I realized that there was a pattern in my work um, there seemed to be me following this kind of narrative. Um, and it started with like, just thinking of the origin of one, my experience as, as a black woman, but just as the, the origin of blackness period, um, especially blackness in America, thinking of the transatlantic slave trade. So I have a lot of boat kind of imagery in my poems. Um, so it starts with like the etymology of the word black and then moves into like the boat kind of, uh, that, that sort of journey, that sort of uh, that beginning. And then it's it kind of resets itself with a um, with a a new take on creation, on the creation story, which is kind of like a reset. Um, we can now do anything with uh, with our ideas and our thoughts on the black imagination is it's it's vast. And so that kind of reset itself, but it still went into modern day blackness and dealing with the intersections of blackness, being a black woman, uh, being a black young woman. Um, and then I think you're right. Uh, somewhere as I kept going, I was just like, no, this is just joy. It's, it's, it's just mm -hmm. like, I appreciate all that uh, blackness touches. Um, and so I think like towards the end of the collection, I started getting into, so I think that's how it kind of formed a narrative. And when it comes to self-publishing, I think at this point, I realized that the publishing game is a very strange one. And that people, it, it is, it's a- To say the least. To say <laughs> the least. Um, and that like, you put your work out there and you hope and pray that people like it and then they might. And often you don't hear anything back and you just kind of get the rejection and you move along. Um, and if you do get an acceptance, um, often the poem is shared uh, without any other context of other poems. So people don't read the entire journal, they'll read just one poem that you put up. And I was, I think at this point, I'm just more interested in the collection of work, people reading along, reading a series, um, uh, an entire piece, um, but also people who are excited about my work rather than just the journal itself. Um, I wanted mm -hmm. to just share it with like my, at least my first collection, I just wanted to share it with my community more than I wanted to submit it to like a contest or um, mm -hmm. publish it elsewhere. I just was like, this is something for me and my people and all the people who I uh, am obsessed with and that I love. So that was kind of my ideas with self-publishing. 
Yeah, you could definitely tell that you put a lot of love, not only into your words, but for your community as well, um, representation into the books. So I was following your, when you were reading, I was following your actual, you know, um, your poems. And I, I'm a geek when it comes to poets who use different formats. Like, I love it when they are just so playful with it. And you are. Every page is just so different. And I think that in itself, like, first of all, it was great to hear you read. Wow. I'm sorry. I'm just like, wow, it was amazing. Even if, you know, this whole idea of like taking space up in academia, right? And I love how you are so playful about your words taking up space. And then it just so happened chance, right? Of that the, the pages are white and then like your words are black, right? Oh, yeah. oh always. Yeah. <laughs> always. I always think about like literally the actual act of writing and printing. Mm -hmm looks like physically um it's it's a it's a trip and an experience to say the least yeah but i definitely think that not only are the words are black just like because of who you are and how you write but you know because of the ink too but it just it's just great to see how you're taking up space and creating this canon like what you said you are your own canon you are your own poetry and this was a this is basically like a love letter and i it reminds me of like tony morrison you know because tony morrison definitely like writes to love to black people yeah and absolutely another way and that's mm -hmm. exactly the the kind of framework i had especially with this collection with naming it black academic it, it it's aware of the 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 confines one it finds themselves in on themselves in um but i'm very much interested in thinking about like who am i writing for and why and um often i'll find myself trying to get lost and especially um, with my with my program, I love my program, but by myself trying to like push like uh, my images and trying to be as specific as possible. And I tend to lose clarity for myself and for the people I'm writing for. Um, and so with this collection, I was like, no, this is, this is something that's for people, with mm -hmm. people, by people. Um, and so I'm like, I, I was really trying to ensure that like, not only was I being true to my own writing, um, but I was being true to the people who I want to speak to for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a beautiful collection. So like when she gets more in stock, Y'all go get it. Um, let's dive into that idea of taking up space, especially in academia. Um, you are getting your MFA uh, from the University of Houston, and uh, woo woo! I I don't know mascots, so I'm just gonna. Read <laughs> well, remember we went over this. It's the right. Indeed. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. You know, I went to UT. I had no school square. Uh, but you are in a space that is has been historically and I think still continues to be predominantly cis white men, yeah. uh, both in the classroom and in the textbooks. Yeah. You know, how has it been as a black woman inhabiting this space, you know, for yourself? Yeah. Uh, and how have you been able to kind of like stay true to you, your identity, your culture, your writing, yeah. while still navigating an MFA program? Yeah, that's, it's interesting because like while my pro, I think I was the only black person in my cohort coming in. Um, the program is getting increasingly more, it's like more applicants of color are um, applying and getting accepted and coming, which is really exciting. Um, but I think as far as the framework of the university, it is always going to be like, it's always going to uphold a lot of white supremacist values and a lot of uh, white supremacist ideologies. Um, and 
navigating a space where you, the MFA program in essence is, is supposed to allow the writer to have time and space to write. And the individualism of that is, is not community focused. It is, it does not focus on people and making a change. It focuses on the self, what the self needs. Mm-hmm. And while that is not inherently racist, <laughs> um, <laughs> that when that happens, um, and all of the people who are applying or going there are not focused on the community outside of them, then that perpetuates racism, that perpetuates, mm-hmm. perpetuates capitalism. Um, and so my challenge being in an MFA program as a Black woman is wanting to bring my communities in and wanting to bring the university out and into the community. Um, and that's very hard to do when it's a very individualistic kind mm-hmm. of place, like focus on you take what you need. So like, I'll find myself wanting to do projects that are like, I want to talk to the class about SLAM. I want to, I want, I want SLAM to be something that is respected in these walls, um, which is primarily black and brown people uh, at mm-hmm. this point. And I have to figure out if I'm using my time to focus on something that I already know and love, or am I going to use my time to focus on something that I'm not aware of that's going to strengthen me that 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 my professors know, which aren't the things that are in the community or thinking about people of color specifically. So that's been my balance of trying to figure out, am I taking up space just as an individual or am I taking up space and bringing all of my communities with me? Mm, that's brilliant. <laughs> that's so strange to me because it's like whenever I'm talking to other writers, they always mention how like when like, the best work that they do or when they feel like they're really producing great work is when they're in tune with their community or have a community Mm -hmm. of writers to work with, you know, and work alongside and things like that. So that idea of like individualism superseding community, just that's so weird. The, The idea of individualism is a vast one because yes, it might be like, hey, here's a community of writers. But when you look at the community of writers, they're all in the MFA program. They were all able to afford the application. They were all, these are all people who are now getting paid to do writing. And and when you look at the cohort and you see that it's primarily white or primarily male or things like that, like who is that? Like that is an individual kind of group. Um, It ignores so many other groups. so like it does have community in it, but which communities are being left out, which communities are out of the conversation. So mm. um, it's, yeah, it's just, a, it's a very challenging kind of balance. Um, I think they're doing their best, but there's only so much you can do whenever you are in the structure of a university that is meant to ostracize and meant to keep certain yes. people in. Yes, wow. Um, I think you just like kind of summed up <laughs> so, beautiful, so beautifully and so, um, the ways that how academia and these like white spaces really continuously try to divide you, right? To to like strip away that community feeling, or even in a sense, I feel sometimes like especially grad school, they tend to want to haze you in a certain way, right? To I know, like I feel like they're trying to strip who you are, so they can be like, this is how we are as an institution, and we want you to be producing like this, and it's like, especially like students of color are constantly like, no, I carry my home and my family with me. Exactly. And it's so interesting because like it's so it's so fascinating when there's like really amazingly like 
passionate people in the program who are like trying to make this change, right? Like my professors are amazing. I have a lot of amazing people in my cohort. I love them to death. And it's like, does it take so many people going in and out to like finally move it? Or is it, because like it's, it's step by step because I'm still learning 19th century literature and I'm still like begging for like black professors and I'm still like, so it's like, while they are doing their best, there are still these just like tiny little things that are like this, if we do not break this, we are going to, going to be the same. And so I'd rather not just be a singular person um, who made it in there and just leaves out and doesn't do anything with that or try to make any sort of change. So that's that's just the goal. That's the that's just I don't know if I'll change anything, but at least so the, plant the seeds. Mm. Yeah, that's all you can do. Yeah. And I know that um, when you're talking about like spaces, right, and building community, this is not just only for academia, right? Yeah. Let's talk about these virtual spaces because yeah. now you have Twitter and TikTok where you can actually create communities, right? Yeah. Virtual communities with other people that you don't know. Right. So I've heard that you are like about Twitter. So let's talk about <laughs> Let me preface this conversation with Twitter scares the shit out of me. And I respect okay. <laughs> I, I will I will open the app once a month and be like, I don't know what's happening. And I'll throw something into the void because that's what it is. To me, Twitter's a void. Just throw it out there and who that. knows what happens to it after that. But I no, I, I don't twit. <laughs> no, I like it because it's real time. Like, if you want the tea on something that's happening, like, right now. You will get it immediately. I, I, first of all, okay, let me, let me begin by saying <laughs> that I, for one, have two Twitters. <laughs> one that is just for the general, like, public that's just like, oh, my poet self and my, like, funny self. And then I have, like, an existential Twitter, which is just, like, all of the friends who want to follow me and I'm just like tweeting into the void and they're like, yeah, void, we're the void too. Like that sort of energy. <laughs> um, I, I I really love the space of like, I, and I was talking to um, one, of my, one of my friends on Twitter um, about this, about how, um, her name is Mary Claire. We were talking about using social media as a way of like, uh, it's almost a community building thing in which sharing becomes a practice. Uh, there's a lot of things that we keep inside. There's a lot of things that we we feel is taboo to talk about or to to be open about. And Twitter, this void, allows you to throw it into the atmosphere and people can either see it and leave it alone or they can agree with you. And that affirmation sometimes just feels very good to be like, wow, you feel me, you see me, you hear me, um, which is why I love it so much. I also love Twitter because um, it's just, the funniest people in one place. Like it's just, <laughs> you got all the jokes right here. Like absolutely I'm getting on Twitter when anything in the world happens because not only am I getting informed, but there's people who are actually making light and like have like the ability to just like bring joy to something that's very tragic. Um yeah, Twitter's my and it's and it's, it's it's an excellent way to build community. It's also very, very, very toxic because now you have every single person's thoughts always. Um, so it's really about, um, and Anna Maria was talking about this, it's very important to, to establish boundaries in that space, muting people, blocking people if you don't feel comfortable or safe. Um, but if done correctly, it can be a very, very wonderful tool. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've seen it. I believe it. I have, I have seen Twitter and, and social media be used in, in very productive uh, and inspiring ways and informative ways. Like I, I, I get it. 
I'm just overwhelmed. And that's, that's my introverted self. That's just like too much happening. Um, but let's, let's, let's dive deeper into this idea of creating community, right? And, and using social media, using the internet as, as a form of activism. Um, you are involved with Mutual Aid Houston, a group, it's a BIPOC led abolitionist collective that's boosting mutual aid efforts uh, within the Houston area. Yeah. Um, so can you talk a little bit about like why this organization means so much to you and what are the kinds of things that you that you do with it? Yeah, it? totally. Um, speaking of Twitter with like building community, mm -hmm. I found Mutual Aid Houston through Twitter. Like um, when all of the protests were happening, it was just a very singular place to rally all of these people who are willing to help protesters as they're coming out of jail. Um, it was one of the quickest and easiest ways to find community. There was a hashtag, there were um, a, a follow chain. You can see who replied and liked, and you can figure out who was plugged into these communities. Um, and so through that like sort of effort, I was able to join Mutual Aid Houston and then started figuring, uh, we started figuring out how to ensure that like, if there is a collective of people that are willing and uh, hungry to be of service and be of use to the Houston community, we should facilitate that in some way. Um, and so being a part of Mutual Aid Houston has allowed that to happen. Um, we've been able to, with our brilliant, brilliant, brilliant core team, um, have been able to distribute thousands, tens of thousands of dollars back to Houstonians, especially in this time. Um, we've, uh, we've been doing jail support. Omar Ahmed has been literally leading the jail support charge for like months on end. Um, and so I, Twitter has been a space by which we can plug into the people who are actually willing to do that sort of work um, and then take it outside of the virtual space and actually like put it to practice for sure. Oh, wow. Well, thank you so much for doing that work to you and um, everyone else and the volunteers that were doing that. That's like so important, you know? Yeah. Um, so thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I can't even, I can't even take like the credit. It's literally just a, like Houston will come together. Like if any, like with anything, I trust Houston to literally pull it together because we're literally all we have. People do not take Houston seriously as like a, as a city, um, mm -hmm. but literally they're like the, the most beautiful collective of people. I love that. And with all the work that you're doing um, and with them, with with putting together this chapbook, with getting your MFA program, with surviving through a pandemic, um, <laughs> as a woman of color, you you mentioned to us uh, previously this idea of radical rest. Yeah. Um, what does that mean to you? And also, what does that mean specifically for for uh, people of color, BIPOC people, to have the mm -hmm. ability? the 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 um uh privilege yeah. to have this mm -hmm. radical rest yeah that is a question <laughs> because um like radical rest sounds really really good like in theory and it is excellent in practice but actually being able to do it like oh yes also daryl daryl is an amazing as far as jail support goes. Thank you, Omer. Um, um, putting it into practice is one of the wildest things. Um, I I said, I, I think I was telling y'all earlier, I said no to something today. 
And it took me 15 minutes to just say no, like to actually let yourself not do things and, and to, to, to listen to your body and be like, I am actually tired or I am actually not, I'm not working at full capacity right now. I need space to sit or eat um, is a hard thing to do, especially when you see everybody else kind of like running on 10, people struggling, people like it, it is, especially as a woman of color, as a black woman, I'm, a, people ask a lot of me. I've just seen that. And I would, I would like to have thought it was like, oh, just because like you're really good at the thing. But it's like, no, we choose you for a reason. We are not asking other people for a reason. We're going to ask you. And for me to, to be like, I cannot always be the person that people call on is a hard thing. Um, especially when your body, that is like your body's natural thing to do if you've been doing it for so long. So radical rest is something that like I am hoping to put into practice. There's the uh, the Twitter page, the Nap, Nap Ministry. Yes. <laughs> I know. I was just like, that's exactly what I was thinking about. Sorry. That page just drags me by my ankles because it's just like, I said no to four things today. I took a nap. Mm -hmm. I'm like, wow, amazing. Love that for you. Like, <laughs> it's also like realizing like you need to really establish your boundaries and not disrespect mm -hmm. your boundaries, which is like, okay, yeah, drag me again. Like, that is just so real. And um, I think that doing that sort of emotional work within oneself, um, restructuring this uh, Protestant work ethic of America <laughs> is super important. Like that we, this was not always the way it was supposed to be. Now we've built this and so we can we can demand that it looks different. Um, that's something I learned from Lois Gallo. It's just like, nope, imagination is key. We can destroy all of this and start over. Um, and so that's literally the practice that I'm trying to um, inhabit of like rest can look like productivity can look like rest. And so uh, that's like the goal. Mm, so much truth there. So much truth. I'm not an I'm not a napper, uh, but I, I, I took a 30 minute nap today. It happened. Because uh, my body just doesn't know how to stop once it gets going. Um, but my husband is an avid napper. And, you know, we we talk so much about how, like, that's such a healthy and important part of being productive yeah. is knowing when to just kind of like, okay, I need two hours yeah. to just boom. Exactly. And then I'll be back stronger and better and keep right. going. Right. So. I love naps too. Like I, my mom is always just like, how do you just nap like standing up? You know, kind of like, <laughs> I can nap literally anywhere. It's, yeah. it's kind of ridiculous. But I, I also want to talk about like, yeah. So if we don't listen to our bodies, how much we exhaust our bodies, especially as like people of color, women of color, queer, you know, hawk, and especially like black women too, just like carrying all that exhaustion and tired, you know, just feeling tired on your body, you know, and when you don't listen to it, that's when, you know, you just kind of fall apart. Like, I know that my body's like, if you don't rest, we will make you rest. Yeah, and that part. Yeah, that mm -hmm. part. Like, I know, like, I, I, and it was, it was really ridiculous for like, 2019 and 2020, I was keeping a sick journal because I was getting sick mm -hmm. like once a month in which I was overworking myself. And I was like, hmm, maybe this is a problem. But then it was like early 2020, 
um, we were going to Cupsy with um, the Kook Slam team. And uh, I was going to work the rodeo and then I'd just done WOWPS. And I was also uh, in my second semester of grad school and I was also working at the Hobby Center and I was also working for WITS. And I was like, okay, y'all, I'm going to be sick in March. Like I already, like, <laughs> I was like, I'm going to be sick in March. It's going to happen. And then the pandemic hit. And all of the results of the pandemic, um, and I would literally take all the sickness if it meant everybody could be alive. But that forced stop allowed me to be like, oh, I'm doing way too much. My body is overwhelmed. It forced me to stop and not do anything. And I was not sick for like seven months like prior, prior, like all the time after that moment, I was like, what have I been doing to myself <laughs> for the past couple of years? And why has rest not been a part of that? And so mm -hmm. I think allowing myself to listen to my body and this time inside this virtual space of like, you are in your home and you're allowed to carve out your own schedule for an hour. At least some people I have the, the privilege of being in schools so that I've been able to like carve out the time around my classes mm -hmm. has been just revolutionary. Been mm -hmm. a blessing. Yeah, because mm -hmm. we talking about like you were going to school and during doing your MFA program during a pandemic, I I applaud like students like you because that's the resilience, the 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 energy that you have to put through it on top of like all these anxieties. It's it is, um, yeah, it's mind blowing. So I always, so you said you had a sick, I was wondering, do you have a nap journal? Do you take like your notes of when you take naps? That's an excellent idea. I do not have a nap journal. I should probably get a nap journal. That's so yes. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, so you can start like being protective and the energy, right? Cause I feel like the sick journal is, yeah, you wanna reverse it and see what that rest is. I love that for me. I am going to literally make a nap journal. That's beautiful. My uh, my husband and I we call we uh, talk about productivity in terms of ticking boxes, nice. right? Nice. And so there is definitely in my husband's planner a snoozel box yeah. that needs to be ticked every day. You That's know, right. it's part of the productivity. So props to you, Rocky, for you know dropping that little nugget yeah. of wisdom, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that little gem, little pearl. Um, <laughs> Let's switch gears a little bit because you mm -hmm. talked about you mentioned Lois Gallo. Yeah. Uh, you talked about Omar Ahmed. Yeah. Um, you talk about Coog Slam and and the University uh, Slam team. Um, for those that don't know, Cupsy is the the Poetry Slam um, league, for lack of a better word, yeah. in the university <laughs> uh, setting. So, for people that don't know, Texas runs deep, y'all when it comes to connections and poets and, uh, you know, 20 cars deep. Okay. So, uh, <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about, you know, the Texas poets that kind of influence you and your work? And if you want to shout them out, say who too, but how and why? Absolutely. I will absolutely. First of all, let me just read from the back of this book. Uh, I like, I, I like labeled as many as I could because um, like all of my writing communities, um, I just have to shout out like Coog Slam has been amazing. It was started by Muhammad and Jazib. They are literally just, they 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 pioneered a, a slam space in, in Houston, I mean, in University of Houston. And 
Um, they had the coach, uh, our coach, RJ Wright, who has been just so, just a blessing, a gem to me and my writing. Um, and we also had the coach, uh, our assistant coach or co-coach, um, Jackson Neal, who is, uh, was a youth poet at the time, uh, but was like light years ahead of where we were at. And he like literally revolutionized how we thought about <laughs> writing and how we wrote. Um, but uh, yeah, Houston heavy hitters. Um, we got Ebony Stewart, Lois Gallo, um, Amir Safi, Omar Ahmed, uh, Ryan McMasters, Ayokunde Falomo. Um, literally, I like we have like the the right about now poetry space is just killing it when it comes to just like new new poets. I like stepped into the space and they embraced me, and I was alongside like Lachelle, the shooter, and Ruby. Like they are so they they are killing it and literally just like hopped in. And I'm like, I have so much to learn from these poets, but also poets that are like, not necessarily Houston, but definitely Texas. Chibi, you are on that list. Uh, Ariana Brown is literally uh, like, has done everything for me. She's been so helpful. Um, Deborah Deep Mouton, like literally Houston is that. <laughs> Like it's literally ridiculous. Um, hold on, I feel like I'm missing names. Give me like half a <laughs> uh, um It always happens where you're like two hours later, you're like, oh my god. I know, and I, I feel like I'm missing somebody. Um, but also just like all my my poets that like support me in the Kook Slam space. So that's like Adriana Salazar and like uh Dalton Swink, like literally people who are in the Kook Slam space are like we are growing with each other. And like, I'm just so thankful for the poets that like one added me to their community and like continue to uplift me. So yes, if I have not, if I didn't say your name, I love you and you know who you are and you know that I'm, I am, I am obsessed with you more than likely. <laughs> but yes, those are my people. I'm just so thankful for all the people who like really like upheld me. Oof, I, am, I, I am literally nothing without my amazing poetry community. I love that. And I've I've definitely had the privilege to drop in on a couple of Kook Slam events and y'all are y'all are tight knit and gas everybody up and just right. very supportive of of continuing, uh, which I think is such a wonderful thing to see in in a uh university setting, in in a youth uh thriving yeah. setting, you know, space to Lupa really, Mendes. You know, oh God. Lupa <laughs> Mendes. So we can't, we can't go. Really All right, go ahead. The godfather of, of Houston poetry. Literally, literally. <laughs> Lupe and Jasmine are like, okay, adopt me, or like, can we, what can we do? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about, you You mentioned Right About Now, uh, mm -hmm. which is a writing community out of Houston, um, and also now a social media giant uh, <laughs> in terms of YouTube and, and Facebook and, and their presence in terms of uplifting new voices or all, all, all voices really in the poetry mm -hmm. community. Um, can we, I forgot to ask if we can, we, no, you posted it on Facebook. We can talk about this. So right about now yeah. is starting a new literary magazine um, that is specifically focused on showcasing black voices. Yes. And for those that don't know, Miss Aris, is going to be the new and first editor in chief of this literary magazine. So, <laughs> tell us about the project, how it came to be, and and what it means for you or to you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Amir Safi is literally um, the 
the the backbone and um, of like this space if right about now and recognize that like while right about now does so much excellent work putting people of color um, forward um, on on a platform gives them a space um, he recognized the challenge of Black Lives Matter, the, what they were challenging of corporations, uh, organizations, uh, individual people of like, you need to be doing more. And um, while people love right about now, he was like, nope, we still need to be doing more. And so he wanted to um, spearhead um, this idea of having a Black literary journal, a journal that uh, amplifies Black voices. And that comes along with a poetry prize. So if you submit to the journal, it can come with a prize. And he was like, wow, this is an amazing thing. I know that I should not be dealing with this, handling this. This is not for me. This is not a voice that like, I need to uh, be a part of. Um, so he reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to be the editor. And of course, because I think it's brilliant, I said yes. And I'm so excited. So we have brilliant readers who are going to be able to read this work um, and read everybody's work and be able to um, uh, put together this amazing uh accumulation of black voices and black poetics. And I'm just really excited about what that's gonna look like. Um, we are really, really excited. Thank you for bringing that up. <laughs> Do you have any details on like how, what, how the project is developing, when yeah, submissions are um, gonna be open? Like just any, any I know it's in its um, not in, so in much right stages. now. Not so much right now. I think um, we're hoping, Amir was gonna <laughs> I'm thinking in March. I'm think I'm thinking around March. It might open up, um, and there'll be uh, time for people to submit, and then we'll close submissions, and then we'll after we'll have a, a couple of uh, weeks to deliberate, and then come up with the winner, and then announce all of the folks who are in the journal and drop the journal. So that's gonna be a mm. time. Mm. Ooh, and we got a great yeah. question in the audience. Yeah. Um, is it a Texas specific project or Black Writers yeah. Anywhere? No, um, it, it is Black Writers Anywhere. Um, it is a journal that does celebrate uh, the South because we are in the South, but um, mm -hmm. all, all Black voices come through. Uh, we love all of them. So um, ladies, gents, they, thems, all of the folks, non-binary folks, please, please, please send your work um i'm fine this is very premature we have not dropped the announcement but like uh you know it's fine it's fine um that'll be announced soon um where people can submit because like we're just really excited about being able to have this platform and amplify black black voices more than why about now already does yeah i don't see anyone more deserving you know to handle such like care and words of you know these writers you know i think it's it's a perfect way um, just to all circle back that you created this chap, you know, your chap book specifically for your community. And now you are now handling the words and stories of your community as well. And I think that also kind of goes back to like, <laughs> yeah, you're just doing so much. I, I'm having such a blast right now. just talking to you. It's just bringing so much joy. So, oh, and, you know, <laughs> and, um, so, you know, like often poets, you know, write and reflect about the current mo movement or moment, and they're almost like emotional historians, right? And I think that, <laughs> yeah, so like how you're writing, how people will be submitting their work. Like, so what are your thoughts on poetry as an art form, um, like an artful form or archival work, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, the best example that I can give with right now is like, um, Ooh, where is it at? 
This is everything I believe in. It literally takes a moment. Um, Contra Texas Poets Speak Out. This was um, edited by Christopher Martinez and Chibi, my guy. Um, <laughs> um, and it, it, I see poetry as a, um, if, if I, and I, one of my professors, uh, Michael Snedeker used this example. Um, and he used it for a specific poet, but I think this is true for all poetry, that if um, the world, the end of the world was today and aliens were to come to um, the, our world and find poetry, this is like one of the best ways in which it is, our human life is archived. I mean, yes, you'll have pictures or you'll have music or you'll have like videos, but like poetry encapsulates not just the physical environment, but also the emotional landscape in a way that only words can, um, in a way that musicality can. Um, and so like with this here, it's like we're taking a moment and we're archiving it in poetry. And you can literally read this book and get a multifaceted prism, prismatic view of what today looks like for a lot of Texas poets. And so poetry as archive is one of the most important ways that I think I'm trying to approach poetry right now. Um, thinking about what it, what is it that I am bringing to, to the page and um, who am I carrying with me and what emotional landscape am I ensuring uh, takes gets to take up space on the page? Um, so yeah, I think it, it, and not every poem is like that, of course, but I, I don't even believe in a singular poem. I think we're all simply writing one very, very long poem. And yeah. it's just, it's just like, we are all, like every poem has a literary ancestor and a, a genealogy. And I think that if we continue this work of writing, um, we will be able to figure out what this human existence is. And I'm excited that I get to be a part of that legacy of all black women poets, of all poets of color, of all poets period, um, but specifically uh, the legacy of uh, black poetics and uh, people of color, right? It's Texas poets. I, I, I am a part of a legacy of people doing that work already. So I'm just excited to continue that. Mm. I think you said it absolutely beautifully. Um, and, right. and I promise that was not a plug. Uh, <laughs> that was not planned, uh, but we'll take it. It's the, um, it's that idea, uh, you know, not to harp back on, you know, dead white poets, but that Walt Whitman quote, you know, that the powerful play goes on and that you may contribute a verse. We are all just contributing a verse to this poem yeah. called the human existence. That part, that part. So thank you Absolutely. for those very, very wise words and this very fantastic hour that we've been able to spend with you to get mm. to know you a little bit more, share you, you with, with your fans, because you have them. You have stands. My people. <laughs> I am really a stand of them, no doubt. Uh, okay. I, I was going to transition to closing now, but Io dropped no. a question and whenever question, no. Io has I questions. Question. I, oh, good. And she has a question too. Let's, let's yeah. go with Io and then we'll go with Rocky. Io asks, what critical theories are you interested in, in regards to black imagination? Oh, okay. This is an interesting question because, um, there's, um, there's a lot. Um, I, my first, I, my first brain goes to, um, Christina Sharp's, uh, uh, like idea of Weber and that um, 
I don't know if I'm going to explain this correctly, but she describes the weather as um, like the climate of the world that we're living in um, as anti-Black. If we establish, mm-hmm. we understand that the the the, the physical climate is anti-Black, um, then we can take these methods of Black annotation and Black redaction and add to this kind of, or speak to what we want to remove or add to this existence that is already working so heavily against us. What are we doing to change this climate or how are we viewing this climate or are we ar- uh, archiving this climate as we know it? Um, that's a terrible example, <laughs> but that's one. <laughs> Um, there's also this idea of Afrofabulation. Mm. It, it is. <laughs> I I'm <laughs> I know. It is the idea that uh, Black existence, uh, Black beings um, are working for and against the white oppressive gaze. So it's mm-hmm. like they, are, they acknowledge that it is there, they know it is there, and therefore perform for it and also perform actively against it. Um, which is just so, so, so necessary. And then um, I I think any sort of, I'm not gonna even lie, and it's gonna sound very, probably very annoying, but I believe all sort of speculative fiction is critical theory <laughs> because it <laughs> analyzes, it analyzes our black existence. Uh, it, it analyzes our American existence. It analyzes our, um, our earthly existence in a way that puts um, that interrogates anti-blackness um, and asserts blackness, um, and so the idea of spec of, of speculative fiction, if done in the vein of Afrofuturism, it is it is literally all that you. It's not all that you need. Please do your reading. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's one of the best ways to think about the black imagination. What are we? What are we? What spaces are we allowing ourselves to be in? What? Um, what future are we imagining for ourselves? Can we see something other than what is right now while still acknowledging that right now needs to change? There's this idea that like, oh, future, we can just kind of like move towards the future. It's like, no, you cannot do that without having an awareness of what is happening right now. So um, yeah, those, please, please, I am a terrible example of like explaining things, but Christina Sharp, um, his name, uh, I think his name is Tavia Nyong'o. Um, and then of course read M archive. And I know I owe you've read M archive. Uh, it is, that is to me, that is critical theory and it is a uh, speculative fiction. So, yeah. Yeah, that's great. Awesome. So I think maybe this can wrap up everything um, so we can close, but you know, you're talking about this legacy of black poetics and not, only, I, I'm still stuck on the, your line about like your poetry having a genealogy and there's just like ancestors, mind blowing. So I just want to know like, how do you want your legacy to be, or how do you see your legacy um, contributing to these black poetics? That, that's a very interesting question. I don't know if I've envisioned a legacy for myself necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and perhaps um, it is because I, I, I am a baby in this game. I'm very, very new to poet, poetry period. Um, but I think right now, how I envision envision my legacy is that I hope that in every time I read a poem or am a part of a slam or um, doing a workshop or alongside other poets and writers and people, um, I would hope that 
even if my work is not the best in the room, even if my work doesn't win the whatever award prize, that my work is actively asking mm -hmm. questions that need to be asked and force writers to be more critical thinkers and better writers. Um, I would hope that my writing pushes the people alongside of me. Um, that's how I used to think of myself in the slam. I used to say like, even if I don't win the slam, when I walk in the room, everybody used to be like, oh shoot, let me change my poem. <laughs> like that was the goal. I wanted, I want to at least be pushing myself enough or excited about my work enough that other people get more excited about their work and continuing this lifelong poem that we're making. Mm. I love that. Yes. And even though you describe yourself as like a quote unquote baby poet, yeah. uh, your work is well into adolescence <laughs> and young adulthood uh, for sure. Uh, blowing people away with your wisdom. It was one of those, you know, your work has stood out for, for a while. And it was one of the reasons why we reached out to you for Contra. It was like, this voice needs to be in this book. And also one of the reasons why we invited you here is like, this voice needs to be elevated. You know, if you are, I don't want to say you're the face of it, but if you're the face of the new generation of poets that's coming up, we have a very bright future ahead of us. So I'm excited for all that is coming, no doubt. I'm taking yeah. it all. Mm. You're ready a brilliance. I can just imagine just what more years of just writing and it's gonna <laughs> make you <laughs> and hopefully yeah. wish upon me rest as well yeah. so I can do mm -hmm. this work because oh I I that's what I need. I think primarily Acc <laughs> accolades yeah. and grants and naps. And naps. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you so much for taking this hour to be with us. Uh, it would be our honor and our privilege if you could close us out with one more poem. Absolutely, yes, I will. And y'all have talked about taking up space for a long time, so we gonna end them with, everybody tells me, don't be afraid to take up space. You do not see how much of me already fills the room first. Their idea of me walked in before I did, said, she should be loud. She should carry the conversation for us. Said, black girl be a token I can cash out, be the black friend I can reference when she's not, enough, not around. My anxiety is always on my left. She thinks faster than I speak. My doubt, she's on my right. She'll take a compliment to chew on and spit back up. My morning, afternoon, and midnight depression form a line in front of me. Hold hands like the saddest game of Red Rover anytime someone comes too close. My fear is composed of three of me. Me number one had to convince me to come up here. Me number, one, me number two had to convince us to write this. Me number three told one and two I'd fail in every line. There goes the extrovert who wants everyone to love me by the first handshake. I see the introvert who wants to go home and she finished this poem. My ego, okay, my ego is actually eight Meg the Stallions twerking in the back like, bitch, you the shit. But my self-esteem is Tina Belcher from Bob's Burgers like, but what if you're not? They tell me to take up space. You do not see that I am more than they could ever fathom. And what is God if not three of themselves in one? Am I not made in their image? If I learned anything from the Trinity, it's that godliness. It's having multitudes in oneself. Each one capable, each one worthy of praise and lovers of all of us. No one sees how long it took to love all of me. How I fill a room without having to enter. How my name has its own gravitational pull. They tell me, take up space. 
They do not see that I am a planet, that I contain a universe in all five, five of me. I am space. I can't take nor have it taken from me. Black girl be down to earth. Black girl be gravity. Black girl don't mind making space for other people. Be lucky I share it with you. I didn't have to do that. Instead of telling me what to take, tell me thank you instead. Wow, thank you. Thank you so much. This has been a pleasure. Um, just not to only read your poetry before to prep for this, but also just to hear it. Yeah. What an absolute joy. Um, mm -hmm. I wish you so many blessings. I wish you so much rest. Likewise. Thank yes. you. Um, thank you. Thank you for blessing us with, with your words, with your presence and everything. Please, please check out Ballin with the orchestra in the back. We'll do. <laughs> absolutely will i literally will and thank y'all for having me i appreciate y'all so 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 much and thank y'all all in the comments i love and appreciate y'all oh my god awesome. Yeah. awesome well if anyone is interested make sure that you follow eris on uh social media and all that fun stuff that way when she prints more copies of this amazing collection yes i will have more soon so please follow me so you can get one if you would like one Yes, perfect. Thank you, Eris. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Oh, Rocky. Oh, Chevy. I'm, just, I'm taking all that in and I'm trying to, you know, we, we like to try and come up with like a word for like what that whole conversation was. And I don't know about the audience out there. If you have a word, drop it in the comments because I'm still taking it in. But like the word they kind of is circling in my brain right now is is next you know the next generation the next revolution uh the 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 next thing that we need to do the next nap that we're going to take like it's this this planning of like uh, uh progression and moving forward and i'm so joyful and hopeful that uh eris is part of that progression into this next year you know <laughs> and this next life what about you what's what's your reflection what's your word where are you at I just feel like that was magical. So just like pure black magic, like what about black magic, right? But I also think that I love this whole conversation of just, just taking up space um, mm. in so many ways and forms, right? Um, you can just on the on the actual like page itself to be in academia, to taking up space in this virtual space, right? Um, and basically, just like living that, right? This like lived experiences and everything to make sure that we are taking care of ourselves, but also being seen, so. I love that. Well, let's thank some people and go get some radical rest because it's been yeah. a day. It's been a week. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, we just started. Um, yeah, so basically I just, you know, let's give a thanks to y'all, the audience that are here. You're amazing, thank you so much. Bow, 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 bow. Thank you, thank you, you know, um, for coming back where this is your first time. We hope to see you more of you. Um, and also the production crew. So we have Dominique. What? She is the one that goes about um, going here with our videos, making sure everything's like smooth. We can't do the show without her. And Chris Conde. Um, basically, he's the one that did like the music for our, our podcast and the show too. So thank you for that brilliance. 
Mm-hmm. Make sure you guys, uh, again, like, thank you for tuning in. If this is your first time or if you've been here before, mm-hmm. make sure you do follow us on Twitter and on Instagram. It's words and shh. That way you can find out about all our upcoming shows. And we are, we are planned almost through April and so excited to tell you guys about the people that we have coming up, but I can't, I can't yet, but make sure you follow us. Make sure you follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Yes. And if you want to watch past episodes um, or even watch this episode all over again, because <laughs> let's be honest, like she's amazing. Um, basically, what we could do, you could find us on YouTube and you can also follow us where any podcasts are available. Um, you can listen to Eris go ahead and speak her her words all over again and just hear our conversation. So check us out. Awesome. Next week, speaking of coming up next week, the one and only talking about Texas poets, Texas Mm -hmm. poets who've been in it for a while, Texas poets who've been winning for a while. Uh, Christopher Michael, all the way from Colleen, is going to be joining us on Words and Shit next Thursday, right here, 730 on the Right Art Out Facebook page or the Words and Shit YouTube page. We hope to see you there. Until Mm -hmm. then, y'all stay safe out there. Bye. It was great. Thanks, friends. See you next week. Bye. <laughs> Bye.